This is the Craig Collins Show, and my first guest is Mark Strauss. The reason I'm playing the theme song to Rhodey uh, is because I believe the Washington Nationals are a supreme underdog that is somehow two games up on the Houston Astros. Do you agree with me that they're a Cinderella team almost in, in how I know they have good p- pitching, I know they have a good team, but the Astros were supposed to win this thing. Certainly the Dodgers were supposed to come out of the National League, so I mean I'm shocked at where we're at. Are you as surprised? No. Okay. And that's because uh, they have excellent pitching, and they've had excellent pitching all year. And they've got the best record in Major League Baseball since they were 19-31. and 31. They got off to a bad start. They did. Uh, they, they don't have the best record of teams in the postseason, though. They certainly were a wild card getting into the playoffs who have just continued to win. They've now won the most consecutive games of any team in playoff history. I believe they're tied with other teams at eight consecutive wins right now. Is that correct? Uh, Soft stat, something similar yeah, to that, that I think the that win might, streak is... That, I think that might be right. Yeah, um, so I, I'm i surprised that they have been so successful against teams like the Dodgers and now like the Houston Astros, and the two pitchers that they beat, one and two, are, are both the Cy Young candidates in the American League this year, so it's been impressive. I have a list of some of the greatest underdogs in play in sports history, well, they the certainly Mets, the Mets are the greatest. The sixty nine Mets, yeah, yeah. the nineteen sixty nine Mets. They're on this list. Who had never finished higher than ninth place mm-hmm. in nineteen sixty nine, the first year of divisional play, won the East Division, mm-hmm. and then beat a tremendous favorite in the Baltimore Orioles, who on paper were the far superior team. But the Mets had something that equalized that, and that was pitching. They had Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, Gary Gentry. And Nolan Ryan. Well, and part of the reason to discuss this is because I, I think that there's a team of destiny situation that takes over every so often in sports. I believe that the 1980 Olympic uh, champion hockey team was a team of destiny, the ones that beat Russia, the miracle on ice. I believe that those kind of things happen. I think that, you know, momentum is a thing. I, I think that the Nationals will become uh, the World Series champions this year so- solely because, just like the Mets, as you mentioned, the 2004 Pistons, the 2007 New York Football Giants, uh, these teams just become the team of destiny at the right time. All the players buy into it. Uh, that's not the reason I wanted to have you in studio, though. You were talking about Joe Girardi, to you, being a great fit for the Cubs' managerial position, Yeah, and he did not get that job, um, we believe. I-, I don't think they've officially announced David Ross is the the manager, but that is well. They what's haven't they haven't trotted him out for the press Correct. conference, but, but it's common knowledge. It's out there. Yeah, he, he's he's the guy. Uh, and so I was listening to you earlier today, and I I like the amount of the in depth reporting you did on talking about just why. Because as a Yankee fan, I loved Girardi. I thought Girardi was an excellent coach. I see this now more and more in baseball. The Yankees did it with Aaron Boone. The Cubs seem to be doing it with Ross. Pick a guy up that might be able to connect with the players well but might not necessarily have a managerial background. I don't know if that's because younger players, which are more important in the game now than ever before, need someone that can manage them emotionally as opposed to manage the you know ins and outs of a game as proficiently. Um, but I, I love the information you gave us about Girardi. You want to give us a little bit again as to why you thought he was such a perfect choice? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, he's an accomplished manager. He's won a World Series. He's taken the Yankees to the threshold of reaching the World Series on multiple occasions. He won World Series as a player with the Yankees. Correct. A lot of people know that he used to play for the Cubs as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, he won a World Series in two thousand nine. He's the uh, 
he's the sixth lead. He's the sixth winningest manager in the history of the Yankees franchise. Correct. So, and he managed the Yankees for ten years. So he must have done something right. Yeah. To manage them <laughs> for ten years. You know, it, it almost uh, reminds me a little bit. And I'm not trying to create an equivalency here, but uh, Casey Stengel was the manager of the Yankees. I think for twelve years. It might have been ten or eleven. But he won multiple pennants, and then in 1960, they lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates in the World Series yeah. on the, the, the famed Bill Mazeroski home run. And all of a sudden, uh, Yankee ownership decided that he was too old to manage. Right, yeah. Uh, and so they replaced him with Ralph Halk, who was an organizational guy and was a very good manager himself. In fact, he's the guy that's on the list of uh, wins, Yankee manager wins, right ahead of Joe Girardi. Ralph Halk. Well, uh, it's interesting the way this is happening, too, because I, I think people forget that Joe Girardi also won a Manager of the Year award with the Florida Marlins, right. who at the time, right before he wound up managing for the Yankees, were a very young team that he somehow put together correctly. Right now in baseball, I see this push to have younger players have meaningful roles, mostly because they're cheaper than signing a free agent. Well, that's, it's, it's, it's all because of that. Right, exactly. It's almost entirely because of that. And but, but what's honestly, without steroids in baseball now, an older player doesn't play as well as maybe some of the contracts they used to get. Um, you know, they, they don't match up financially correctly anymore. You know, and you mentioned the, you're talking about the Washington Nationals. Correct. Uh, and they are not a team of young players. No, they're not. If you take Juan Soto out of the equation, uh, you have uh, Anthony Rendon's in his late 20s. Strasburg's in his late 20s. Scherzer's in his early 30s. Fernando Rodney is 42. Zimmerman has one year left on his contract. He was the original first-round draft pick of the Nationals. This is a veteran team. So they haven't built this team. They let their young star go, Yeah, Bryce Harper. Yeah, I know. And to for some reason that wound up being the the one necessary component, letting him go, getting some decent things. I'm not so sure that they wouldn't have done this had he stayed. I I'm not so sure they wouldn't have done it had he stayed. Got uh, it. I think a lot of this is because of It's not like he their, had a great their, season though. Their pitching staff. Well, he was very productive. He well he's I think people view him in a certain way because of the amount of money he makes. Sure. He's still a good player. He's a great player, he's just not the top three to five people in the league and he's paid to be one of those people but they don't they don't have anybody on the team that you could put into that category now that's true their best player is anthony rendon and while he's very good he wouldn't fit into he might not even fit into the top 10 he's going to be a free agent after this season yeah and he's the top third baseman available as a free agent yeah but uh, i think they're a very good team and i think because of their pitching because of their Three top starters, and four if you throw in Anibal Sanchez, who's been very good in the postseason, and who has been on postseason teams before. Well, and the fact that they even have a fourth starter, and they wouldn't go to a bullpen game in their fourth game, which is what every other team in baseball has been doing in the postseason almost. Yeah, I think um, I think this postseason is showing people that the idea of bullpenning your way to a championship <laughs> is... It didn't work for the Yankees. It, well, it... it I think when you look at the Nationals and what yeah. they're doing, yeah. and when you look at the Astros, you know when they go out and they trade last year or two years ago for Verlander, and mm-hmm. this year for Zach Greinke, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get workhorses 
who will give them six or seven innings every time out. They don't want to get into a bullpen game. No, they don't. Well, and Grinky is an interesting case in and of himself because he is a former Cy Young Award winner as well who seems to wilt under the brightest of lights or under the most pressure situations. He doesn't seem to be able to handle them as well as some other players. I'm not sure why that is. He has a history of talking about some anxiety issues, so maybe it it's tied to that. Well, he went through depression earlier in his career, mm-hmm. and that held him back. When he finally got over that, that was when he started to experience success. Yeah, but I remember famously, while being a free agent or, or while being in a lot of trade talks earlier on in his career, one of the teams he refused to go to was New York because he didn't want to deal with the pressure of being in that environment. So I don't know if that also plays true in the playoffs. He hasn't been as much of a lockdown player as the other two for the Astros, but... The fact that they both lost the last two days has has shocked me. I thought they would win at least one of those two games in Houston, and I think the Nationals now, without jinxing them, I I can't see how they don't become. Well, I mean, uh, it certainly looks that way, but yeah. teams have come back from being down 0-2 before. The Kansas City Royals did True. it in 1985. 21 of 25 times the team that won the first two games on the road has won the World Series, but that means four times they have not. So, Or four times in playoff history, not necessarily just the World you know, Series. The, the Astros have the talent both pitching and offensively they do that they could do that when you get behind 2-0 in a series like this you're not playing the whole series you're just playing the next game you have to win the next game correct and having three amazing pitchers who will all get to pitch grinky will pitch tomorrow and then he'll certainly well there'll be a lot of pressure on him there will be which is not necessarily good for him all right now back to the craig collins show on wjbc this is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I wonder how many people out there would love to have a five-hour workday. Uh, there's a company testing out the five-hour workday in Germany, and you hear about this all the time. You actually hear about two things. You hear about the four-day work week. That is a famous, uh, or seems to be right now, uh, change that some companies want to make that a lot of researchers want to debate. How valuable would a four-day work week be to a five-day work week? Because employees... Okay, I don't want to be mean to anyone out there that that doesn't do this, but I, I think a lot of employees might not work the full eight hours that they're at work. I, or maybe it's not always working quite as hard. And I'm not talking about myself, of course. My bosses, I've been working the entire time I've been here. I take no breaks at all. But uh, the research says that things like a four-day work week would help mentally motivate employees by not necessarily draining them the way that our current work week does. The same is true about the five-hour work day. The, the stats say that in the course of an eight-hour day, it's truthfully really something like four to five hours that we put in that's, that's you know beneficial to the companies we're at. So what if we reduced it to just that amount of time, allowed employees to have more time away? I think that other countries do this quite a bit better than the United States for you know giving more vacation time or giving more reasons for people to be away with their family. I think in France, they like take a huge lunch. And Neil, have you ever heard that, that in France, like they, they go on like this long two to three hour lunch in between every single workday? I think we should incorporate that here. See, I know, honestly, and we don't even have to go all the way home. We don't have to, maybe we could just have a break room. And I've actually talked about this this week, maybe a nap area somewhere in the station for people to go because that would be beneficial. But if you uh, slimmed it down to a five hour day, according to this company in Germany, who is, you know, been testing this with a few of their employees, they're now going to start rolling it out. To more of their employees, about 16 people at the company will start work at 8 o'clock and be allowed to leave at 1, and they'll kind of look at that compared to all the other people they have there to see how much work they're getting done you know, on the, at the end of each week, at the end of each month, and if they're being as productive as needed. 
Uh, during an eight-hour day here, Neil, do you work every single minute? Well, I take about 20 minutes to eat my lunch. But, yeah, right. I mean, I'm, I'm always checking email, checking, I mean, social media. You never know. A lot of the stories that we find are on social media. So I'm constantly scrolling through, and I always feel bad because I'm, like, on Facebook and Twitter all the time. It's like they probably But you're think, doing oh, work. They probably think, oh, he's not doing anything. But yeah. I'm, you know, monitoring, making sure, you know, nothing's happening or seeing, what you know, what's going on in the world because that's – to be honest, how we find a lot of well, our news some of the time. That's true, and I asked the wrong guy. You are a newsman, <laughs> so newsmen, yeah. you guys usually work quite a bit harder than the rest of us do, but I, I wonder out there, bosses, if you think about it, or, or even you know, if you're being honest with yourself, if you're at work right now, do you put in a full eight hours, and would it benefit both you and the company to slim that? I don't mean getting less money. I'm not talking about everyone getting paid for 25 hours. I think, and this company is doing it, they're still paying a full-time salary, but just reducing the total amount of hours you need to be at work. It's a radical idea that's out there, and I kind of love it. I work a three-hour day, as you can tell here. I'm on from 3 <laughs> to 6, and then I go home. You're listening to The Great College Show on WJBC. This half hour of The Craig Collins Show is sponsored by Staples. Staples gives your business more for less. At Staples, you'll find the latest tech to help you work smarter, not harder. And right now, save up to $200 on select printers. Staples for your business printing and beyond ends uh, November 2nd. While supplies last, exclusions do apply, of course. This is the Craig Collins Show. Thank you for hanging out with us today. we got a lot more stuff to get to. I did talk a little bit about them being a Cinderella team. My perception that the Washington Nationals are a Cinderella team. I wanted to quickly list, as I mentioned with Mark Strauss in the last half hour, some of the teams that made this list. The 2011 St. Louis Cardinals are on the list. I wonder what his thoughts are about them being a Cinderella team. I believe that they were one. The 2004 Pistons, 2007 New York football Giants. If anyone remembers, the New England Patriots had a perfect season up until that point, a perfect regular season, a perfect postseason, obviously, and they were one win away from being 19-0. and They had actually trademarked 19-0, and which I always thought was funny as a New York Giants fan, before the Super Bowl happened. I There's no worse thing you can do to jinx yourself out of something than getting a tattoo or trademarking something, I think. If you decide, and you see this all the time, that one fan who throws a tattoo, like 2004 champions, and then it does not happen. So I warn everyone in the world to never do these two things if you want to not put out the sports jinx. Never trademark anything before it's officially a thing, and never get a tattoo until your team actually wins. Although those guys do wind up on news, news places everywhere, so maybe it's fun for them to be a famous person for a couple days. I wonder, Neil, do you think it's fun to get out there and to be on all the TV stations when you have the 2008 Yankees champions and they don't make it? Mm, I mean... You get, a, you get one day of fame, you also have a tattoo forever, and it's, it's a, a lie... You know, I think I would probably pass, to be honest. Okay. Just, that's, that would be my choice. Yeah. I think some of these guys, though, they <laughs> like it. I remember there was a huge Cubs fan the year before they actually won the World Series that had gotten the tattoo in the preseason. And people, the whole year, we were covering it. We were talking to him. Uh, he was all over the place. And then they actually went on to win. So every so often, maybe my rule is wrong. But for the most part, don't tattoo and don't trademark till after things happen. The 69 Miracle Mets made this list which Mark mentioned, the Villanova team of 1985, which was absolutely a Cinderella team, uh, one of the biggest in sports history. The 69 New York Jets, famously with Joe Namath, uh, won a Super Bowl that people did not see them likely to win. And then the number one, and I love the movie, 
Miracle on Ice, but the 1980 hockey team. I'm actually named after the goalie uh, from that team, uh, and as oh, well nice. as a huh. I said very nice. Yeah, as well yeah. Jim Craig, as yeah. well as a a running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Both had a last name of Craig. For some reason, they wanted to give me a first name of Craig, but I, I root for the underdog. I actually. I shouldn't completely say that because my favorite teams are the Yankees, Notre Dame. I have a lot of, of <laughs> yeah. traditional winners as my favorite, the teams I grew up liking. But when those guys are out of it, I always favor the underdog. I think it's human nature to do it. Yeah, it's hard to not yeah. root for the, you know, for the smaller team or the sm- you know, smaller guy, whatever, right. you know, whatever it is. It's exactly. Hard, it's hard it, not to. It's so tempting every single event you see. If, if there's a team, and actually it's funny because this is almost counterintuitive. My wife seems to be cheering for the Houston Astros. Uh, her father, who's Mexican, lives in Mexico still. His reasoning is that Houston is closer to Mexico than uh, D.C. is, which, okay, that's fine. But Betty really likes Jose Altuve because of how little he is. His stature, his size, makes him appear to be an underdog, even though he's an MVP candidate year in and year out, one of the best players in baseball. She thinks he's scrappy, so she keeps cheering for him. That's fair enough. I, right, because the guy is like 5'4 yeah, or something. He's pretty small. Right. Anytime you see him and standing next to like a taller MLB player, like Aaron Judge, for example, it looks kind of like an, an adult and a child. But, okay, fine. <laughs> she can cheer for whoever she wants. I'm rooting for the Cinderella team, the Washington Nationals, and I'm excited to see them play more baseball in a couple days. Got to take it. ABC. Now, back to the Craig Common Show on WJBC. And now it's time for the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. I have a couple different articles in front of me. I'm trying to decide which one to talk about. I have whether or not you should tip your Uber driver, so not necessarily the serious, the most serious of topics. I also have... A majority of Americans want to rewrite the First Amendment. This is, these are very different topics, people, and I'm not sure which one to go with. I feel like maybe I should flip a coin. Maybe I should ask Neil what he thinks. We have two very divergent paths here for the next part of the Craig Collins Show, Neil. I don't know which way you want to go or if you'd rather I just flip a coin to figure that out. I have a strong opinion about the Uber driver. Oh, you do? Okay, well, you're not strongly not opinionated strong. <laughs> about the First Amendment as a uh, newsman. But Uber drivers. No, let's, let's steer steer clear of that. Let's All go right. to the Uber. We're gonna, I'm going to get to it later then. I'll talk about okay. how a majority of Americans want to rewrite something specific within it, not necessarily take away the freedoms of it, but they, they feel like maybe we could just do a little bit of a, a little adding to it. But yes, sure. so the average Uber tip is $3, but 60% of people that use Uber, 60% never ever tip. They tip zero every single time. So a debate has been raging now on Reddit and a couple other of these social media places as to whether or not you're supposed to. And I wonder first if most people didn't experience Uber right when it was first launched. And that would make sense because when it came out, and this was different than Lyft, its main competitor, you were not supposed to tip. The actual app told you not to tip. They said the drivers don't need a tip. They didn't even accept a tip for a long time. And I'm not doing all this, Neil, as a defense for me not tipping. I tip because I understand that it's a hard job. But I get that 60% of users don't because when it first was a thing, you were encouraged not to. And that has obviously changed as Uber has been under a lot of scrutiny for the way in which it treats its employees. And I use air quotes because they're, they're subcontractors, which in and of itself is kind of weird. But do you tip an Uber driver, Neil? I mean, I normally do, but... Okay. At the same time, right, I, I used the app before, and I remember when there was no... So you remember, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when there was no tipping. So 
And right, there was all the stories about how they treat right the drivers, and then obviously Lyft and trying to keep up. I, I I feel like it's more the move to keep up, you know, with the competitor because Lyft allows right. you, know, you to tip drivers. So well, and obviously being what it is, the the type of business that it is, you you're competitive about your employees, your drivers, and so if Lyft is offering tips, and that's your biggest competitor in most places. And drivers are favoring the rides there because they have a chance to get a tip. You have to add the the ability to tip people, and then like it's actually I've talked about this before. Anywhere you go, anywhere in the world where there is a tip jar or mention of the word tip, not just the restaurants you go to, but anything, I feel like personally I have to tip. I think that's my Catholic Craig coming out, my Catholic guilt telling me that I need to put money in this basket if it's passed to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a common practice. It's always been around, but... Right. And to be honest, when we talk about... Li- I, I prefer the Lyft over the Uber. That's also another personal opinion of mine, but... Why do you... Do, wait, hold on. Why do you do that? I just... I've I've had multiple experiences where, like, the U- Uber app... And it's probably, one, because it needs to be updated on my phone, but, like, where the Uber app won't work, where I've oh. had, you know, drivers, multiple... I've had... I don't know how many times I've had Uber drivers, and I'm sure it happens to everybody, where... They then, you know, you get a car, and then they cancel the trip for whatever reason. Sure. I feel like it happens all the time when I use Uber. <laughs> and I'm just, yeah. And so then I and I never had tried Lyft. I always was an Uber person. And then they're like, oh, and I, had, then, I had friends use Lyft. I'm like, all right, let, let's screw it. Let's try Lyft. Did Lyft. Never have never had any issues with Lyft. And so I've always kind of steered. Steered that way. Well, yeah. and I do remember, and I don't think it's still a thing most places, but Sidecar was a third option yeah. that came out for a while. And it seemed to be, again, they catered more and more to the drivers as they were being developed to get the best of the. I also think the rating system is weird, though, on all of these apps. Because the drivers, it actually impacts their ability to be employed. If you are if you take an Uber or Lyft in the next few days and you have a mildly bad experience let's not say a a horrible experience and you give someone like one or two stars you're actually putting their job in jeopardy which is a very odd thing it's odd to have that power while riding in someone's car to and they can rate us too by the way as as people who are passengers we have a rating i don't think i know do you know what yours is Neil? Yeah, I was just thinking that I I haven't checked. Let me in. open my app and I see if I haven't checked in a long time. Let's do. You want to compete right now? Yeah, can, can. Do you have your phone? Yep, I'm pulling okay. it out right now. Pull it up. Let's see what our rating is. Oh, I found mine. You just got to click on that button on the side. By the way, anyone call in if you've used Uber and you have a better rating than Neil and I. I want to hear from you. And don't lie. Maybe I'll have to make you take a picture and send it to my Craig Collins Facebook page. But I want the best rated Uber rider, the best rated passenger in Bloomington to call in today. Uh, what is your rating, Neil? Uh, so you just hit the le- little left button? So when you go into Uber, if you hit those three yeah. dashes, yep. oh, your picture pops up with mm-hmm. a star, and there's a rating. It's between one and five. I'm a uh, perfect five. You're a perfect five? Yes. Okay, never mind. I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> and no one can beat Neil. Okay, beat me. The competition has completely changed because somehow my newsman is the best guy in the history of Uber. I don't know how many perfect passenger scores there are. Well, I... Go ahead. Well, I haven't. I, I mean, I haven't used it. Like I said, I mean, I I used Uber for a while, yeah. and then I I can't tell you the last time I used Uber. If I if I've had to get a ride somewhere using a ride service, it's been Lyft. Okay, so then you're going to give me the excuse that you've only used it a few times. Like you're not. I've it's used Uber. A, it's been a long time since I've used. Uber. How many yet. total rides do you think you've taken? Oh, I don't. I no idea. Can, I could probably find that out in here. I bet you I've taken hundreds. I'm a four point eight eight. By the way, I'm not delaying it that bad. It's not horrible. No, but I'm not, not a bad. perfect five. Someone somewhere out there didn't love the experience of picking up the Craig Collins. 
Um, but I want to know if anybody out there, you can put up a, a photo on at Craig Collins show. I'm, I'm promoting that heavily today on Facebook. Uh, you can call us and let us know what your rating is on any of the, the driving apps. I want to hear from another perfect score. Tie my newsman is now the segment. Can't beat my newsman, but you can tie him. I have a tie. I got a I got a text from Laura, and she says she's a five. Really, Laura is it? Who is Laura? Is that a friend? Is that yes? It's a friend. A she, very she, good friend. She works at Illinois State University. Okay. Laura, Laura is listening right now. All she right. is she is a five, so she tied me. Well, now Laura, how many trips have you taken? Now she needs to call well, in because I want to know. And now I'm looking at. The, I can't in your app. I can't figure out. Yeah, I can't. I can't it find doesn't out show how to you do how it. many rides you've taken. Yeah, I've taken a bunch. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm not a perfect. You know what's going to be really sad? I thought of this segment and I only had the context of my own rating. <laughs> And everyone's going to call in. Oh, I'm a five. We didn't know you could get under a five. That's going to be the whole thing today. I, I wonder just, if my I wife's got another, a five. I got another text. Okay. This Who's is, that from? This is from uh, Brian. He's a five. Is he, is he sure he's a five? Uh, is this text, turning into a thing? Text me. I got two texts. I got okay. two five texts. Well, yeah. I lived in Chicago, uh, and I took a lot of Ubers. And maybe that's why. Well, that's why. the other thing, too. I, you know, Chicago I, people are grumpier. Is that well, what you're going to say? No, well, I mean, I think you Uber a lot more in Chicago. So I did. I mean, so, and I don't think, and again, that's it's the perception of the This is the, the weirdest driver, thing. This is know? the weirdest thing that you're going to try to, like, give me a, well, no, I'm, I should lay I, down and you can be my psychologist and tell me why it's okay, Craig, to have a 4.88. It's you, not that bad. I mean, and again, we're just still getting to know each other. It's right. only been about a week, but it you has. seem like a very nice guy. I can't imagine you would be crazy in an Uber. But, you well, know, no, but I demand things. Well, I should have I should have started with that. I want waters and mints every trip, and if you don't have them, I get very grumpy. Well, then maybe that might have done it. To okay, you. Yeah. things you learn on the Craig Gun- well, Caesars, where you can get a large, thin crust pizza topped right to the edge with cheese and pepperoni for only six dollars and forty nine cents. That's pretty awesome. At participating C- at participating Little Caesars locations, uh, plus taxes where applicable. Uh, the weather right now from Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder: partly sunny and cool today. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny and cool, high of 53, low of 36. On Saturday, partly cloudy, a chance for afternoon showers, high of 54, low of 43. And on Sunday, it's 61. Right now in Bloomington, it is, is it 40? Is that 49? I can't tell. Is that a 49, Neil? That's a 49, yep. Okay, good. It's uh, it's kind of obscured on my screen here, so I'm gonna, just going to go either way. Uh, real quick, two. The word of the day, your 4K text to win word of the, the 4 o'clock hour, I should say. Uh, you can win $1,000 if you text WIN, W-I-N, to 95819. That's W-I-N, WIN, to 95819. We'll text you back to confirm your entry. Data and message rates apply. It's 4K a day with AM 1230 WJBC. We give out $1,000 four times each day. That's pretty good. I want my $1,000. Uh, before we get to the news... I have huge breaking news of my own, which I haven't, none of you have reported yet. I haven't heard it once on this station. I am upset. I'm disappointed. It hasn't been more widely confirmed. But Popeyes may be bringing back their chicken sandwich that everyone went nuts for. This is a rumor I'm finding on the Internet. I don't know how you do your research, Neil, but I go to Reddit. Is that how you do your news research? Uh, Yeah, normally. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I figured. You're in the same subreddit (laughs) as me. We go to the same places. It's a hot rumor. Why is this? Have you had one? I haven't. I never okay. got a chance to try it. Someone call the radio station who had one of these and tell me, was your mind blown? Did, like, your life change? 
Is there some reason that people were attacking Popeye's locations with guns when they sold out of them? Because that did happen. I don't know if you remember that, but at least one location had armed people walk in demanding chicken sandwiches, and we're going right back into that craziness. It's coming from Thrillist.com and been all over Reddit, but the Popeye's chicken sandwich, which is also a Halloween costume, and I think it's a female costume, but a, a guy could go for it if they want to. It's it's a little, it's you know, it's a sexier costume, but hmm. I'm not going to tell you how to dress on Halloween. I don't want to be the one to tell. I don't want to, if that's somebody's dream, if that's how they live their best life, by being the chicken sandwich from Popeye's, then that's, that's on them. Uh, in other news, a man who was intoxicated, and this was in uh, Iowa City, decided to get revenge on a bar that kicked him out when they figured out that he was only 20, which you're not, I think it's 21. I, is that correct in the news? It okay. should be, yeah. It should be 21. Well, mm-hmm. Nolan Nagel is 20 years old. He was arrested at 1.30 a.m. a few days ago when he stormed out of a sports bar after they were trying to kick him out for discovering he was under ABC forecast from the heart of Illinois, ABC chief meteorologist Brian Walder. Uh, today, partly sunny and cool. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny and cool, a high of 53, a low of 36. On Saturday, partly cloudy, a chance for afternoon showers, high of 54, low of 43. And on Sunday, a high of 61 and mostly sunny. You're listening to The Greg Collins Show on WJBC. It's that time. We do this every month. I'm in studio with Cat Wills. Cat Wills is a private client manager at Busey Bank. Cat, welcome to The Craig Collins Show. Hey, thank you. It's great to meet you yeah. and good to be here. I know. You've been chatting with Fish for a little while. A you've little met while. Scott Miller, who's uh, our crazy morning show man. <laughs> He's giving out, I think what we're calling it is our morning turkey is giving out turkeys all next week. Oh, I love it. I can just see it. Right, exactly. <laughs> it great. seems appropriate. Um, but we're here to talk about a few things. One of the things we're going to talk about is something that that lots of people neglect to to fully realize how impactful this could be, how, you know, you need to do a good job of planning. If you're someone who, and this can really be any age, but if you're someone who sees, you know, retirement coming or certain things coming, it becomes even more important to make sure that you're organized, all your documents are in the right place, and planning is being done. Is that correct? That is correct. And today, I'd like to focus on estate planning. Yeah. You know, uh, planning can take a a lot of uh, meanings and connotations, but when it comes to estate planning, that can have some serious ramifications if not taken seriously, maybe even if not taken promptly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it starts often with, oh boy, that word that's kind of scary for all of us, but just to get organized. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard stories about family members when uh, if you lose someone or if someone becomes mm-hmm. medically incapable of, of helping you figure things out, uh, you wind up in a situation where you're digging through boxes and trying to look for you know information all over the place because you just have no idea where things are. That's right. Yeah. I, it's a big puzzle, Craig. Right. Uh, that's what I have referred to it as a, the puzzle of your life. So why not control the pieces of those puzzle if you can? And you know, the, the kindest way to look at it is not to make it difficult for your family and your people who are actually grieving and exactly. mourning uh, your loss. So there are certain, you know, important documents that if uh, once you get those organized, but eliminate mistakes and confusions, just go ahead. And sometimes we have to get it organized in our heads first sure, and our hearts Yeah, because these are really, really big decisions. Yeah. Uh, 
what do what do I want to uh, do? Maybe you have children. Who would be the guardian of my children? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those things. Who do I want my estate to go to? Maybe you have charitable interests. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's yours. So uh, get organized. Then once you get it in order. Um, take a look at it every now and then. How often should we be reviewing it? Well, we, we, we recommend every five years. Okay. But, you know, there might be a, a life event that would require that you take a look at it sooner. Mm-hmm. We talked about children. Maybe you have a child. Maybe you get a divorce. Maybe you inherit uh, a lot of money. Maybe sure. you lose your job. Maybe uh, a lot of things can happen that can affect that end game of your financial puzzle so uh when it feels right just make sure everything's in order we're often asked to help our clients review their documents and i think it's time real well spent uh how much do taxes and things become a part of all this how much do they change how much we plan for those changes well the best thing to do in a taxable situation is visit with a tax professional or your financial advisor because it is somewhat fluid Um, There are certain types of accounts that would have more tax consequence than others. So my best advice is let the professionals take a good look at that for you. Yeah, okay, because uh, obviously, as you said, there's there's things that you would know about that we don't know right. about to help put money in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, the who, what, where, when, and why for your assets and your legacy. Uh, t- give me a little bit of instruction for, well, for that. Well, that means that, first of all, let's talk about what document works for your situation. Uh, create that will. Go ahead and um, sit down with yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Figure out what what matters at the end of the game, who you want to receive your assets in what fashion. Um, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't get split equally. I always say, you know, in a perfect world, we probably wouldn't even have need for a trust. But there is a document called a revocable trust. Okay. Which names you or someone else as trustee. That means they have all the power to uh, do your wishes mm-hmm. according to whatever the document states. Um, the beauty of a trust is it has a pretty immediate distribution process. Sure. You don't have to go through probate. Um, so that can be something, once again, to speak to a professional about. But the who, what, where, and when of your assets and legacy, first of all, look at your will in that situation. But also the easier thing to do is to create those health directives and power of attorneys. Got it. Once again. Who do you trust mm-hmm. <laughs> to make those big decisions if you're unable to do so on your own behalf? And it is wrong to think that this kind of planning is something. I'm 34 years old, but this is something that you should be planning at all times Absolutely. throughout the. It's not something to just plan when you're actually looking at things like retirement, when you're looking at you know right. what to do with with finances at that point. This is the kind of thing that people like me often just neglect and mm-hmm. just assume everything mm-hmm. would be fine. <laughs> and by the way, my documents are not in any kind of order whatsoever. <laughs> well, hopefully we can yeah, inspire. I'm going to have to have you come over and go through my stuff <laughs> at some point because it's, it's all over the place. Um, and it's important to have that control, like you were saying, right? Because without right. it, without it, there's... There's so many different things that could happen, and, and you see this even in the news with the big giant estates and, and people fighting over things. These are the kind of things you don't want to happen right. in and that so situation. Somebody will take control, right. so maintain as much control as possible, uh, specifically over those health care, power of attorneys, and the financial 
uh, power of attorney. Those are really big decisions. That means, mm-hmm. and they don't go into effect until the person is deemed unable to handle their own affairs. Got it. So that's a real important uh, thing. How does to that know. work? Well, if it were health care, a doctor could determine that you're un- unable to. Uh, financially, could be that same situation, or maybe you've become ill and you just it's okay within the document it can say i'm okay i'm ready now to hand this over to my power of attorney to Mm -hmm. make those decisions but then once you've done that make sure that it is implemented and by that i mean if you do create a trust a trust document on its own is just a piece of paper right if i create a document that doesn't mean that i've now (laughs) actually done anything exactly exactly so if you have bank accounts if you have investment accounts your home. If you do create a trust, take that time to get those assets registered in the name of the trust. That's very critical information. Okay. Um, Are there any more instructions or plans that you need to carry out when you make sure that a person is is given responsibilities and, and knows you know how yeah. okay go ahead yeah just make sure that they're comfortable with that role got you it you know uh, first of all you need to identify those people but it's a big responsibility to be an executor or a power of attorney even a successor power of attorney so have that long conversation and make sure they understand where the documents are mm-hmm. uh, that they are comfortable for instance even though it might be your brother and they're able to handle those things if they're a thousand miles away, that's going to be kind of difficult. For yeah, them. yeah. Uh, how do you deal with those conversations where someone isn't really comfortable with it? Do you do you try to explain maybe a little bit more why you want to trust? I can't <laughs> imagine because my brother is a smarter guy and my wife is a smart person. I'd love to put them in that role, but if they didn't, if they wanted to shy away from it, uh, how mm-hmm. would you deal with that kind of conversation? Just say, well, it, maybe it's a conversation you have more than once. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you know, right. Maybe you, uh, as we say, tiptoe into it and say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of this. How would you feel about it? And let me get some more information. Um, it, it often doesn't come to fruition, Got it. but there's a lot of peace of mind uh, to know sure. that someone is in the wings to assist with your affairs if you're unable to. Uh, how do beneficiary, beneficiaries work in all this? Are they covered in the documents? Mm-hmm. Yes, beneficiaries are critical, especially with documents like your life insurance policies, your IRAs. Beneficiaries supersede an estate document. Oh. So if you have beneficiaries named in your IRA or your life insurance, that's how it goes. Siri wanted to talk to us for a second. That's all right. Keep going. That's all right. That's that's how it will be distributed. So when we go back to life events, Craig, Mm -hmm. when we spoke of a divorce um, or perhaps a death in the family and that person is named as a beneficiary in your IRA or life insurance, that's the way it will be. Got so it. very critical to make sure that that information is up to date. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We have more with Kat in just a few minutes on the Craig Collins Show. The um, uh, I believe our, our uh, business report is sponsored by Busey Bank as well. So here's a break. And this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. We'll see some lingering cloud cover for the rest of the day today and staying cool this afternoon and evening as well. Expect mostly cloudy skies overnight tonight with low temperatures tomorrow morning falling back into the upper 30s. 
Partly cloudy to partly sunny skies for our Friday. Overall, not too different than what we saw today. High temperatures likely reaching the low 50s by the afternoon. Then rain chances on the way up as we start the weekend on Saturday. We'll be staying cool with high temperatures only reaching the mid-50s. We should be dry for Sunday with some sunshine returning a little bit warmer as well. High temperatures close to 60 Sunday afternoon, but cooler weather returns next week and much colder by the middle of next week. High temperatures possibly as low as the 40s. From Hardin, Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Thank you very much for that, Brian. Right now in Bloomington, the temperature is 48 degrees. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC, and for my next story, I had to ask our resident thrift store shopper, Scott Miller, our morning show man, Scott, to jump in for... A comment, because I'm curious what you think of this, Scott. Are you there? I'm here. Let's hear it. All right, I'm hitting the buttons right. Before I do that, though, two things. Uh, We found out in the last hour that I have a much worse Uber rating than our newsman, Neil Doyle. I have a 4.88. And, Neil, you have a perfect 5. Perfect. Scott, what's your Uber rating? I have a 4.85. Okay, so I got you by uh, .3 points. But you and I also spent a lot of time in Chicago, so I think maybe... We took more Ubers than Neil? I don't know. I don't know. I, I took a ton of Ubers and I know there's I know it's the exact driver that knocked me <laughs> down to a four point eight five and I haven't gotten over it and it bugs me, but it's not important anymore. I must move on. Right, you really should okay, and I'll move on too. And then are you're giving out turkeys next week? I am. I'm gonna give people the bird all next week, uh, <laughs> Monday through Friday. I will have uh, a fresh Amish uh, turkeys to give away from, wow. uh, you know, bunch. Of, who doesn't want a turkey? I want a turkey. I can't win one though. I don't think you can't uh, have one. You okay, work fine. there. Fine. If you uh, want to quit your job? I'll give you a turkey. <laughs> That's an interesting proposition. I'm only one week in, and is it is a turkey enough? I don't think so. I think I'm going to stay. Right. Uh, I have a story out of Indiana, and this now, granted, it's not necessarily exactly the situation where I'd wonder what your opinion is, but it, it sparked. My curiosity. First, though, you know what a Plato's closet is, correct? Yes. Have you, you go been... and you resell your clothes there. You get your fancy clothes and you go, I don't like it. And you bring <laughs> it into Plato's closet and they sell it and they make money. Right. They and give you money for it, though. They don't give you a lot of money. They sell it for a no. lot more money than they give you. Um, well, this is in right. Valparaiso. A, uh, a man turned in a bunch of clothes and one of the workers there, her name is Jennifer, she was going through the items and she found... $7,000 in a coat pocket. She decided to call the customer who had already sold the clothes, get him to come back in and return the money to him. Now, that is a great story, and I'm very proud of the employee, Jennifer, for going above and beyond to make sure that the money that obviously this person did not intend to donate to a store was returned to the person after he sold his goods. But as someone who is a thrift store connoisseur, someone who loves a good mart, I assume, if you find something maybe of less value than $7,000 tucked away in an item you purchased, who owns it, Scott Miller? If I go to the Mission Mart resale shop and I buy a pair of jeans or a shirt and I take it home and I put it on and I reach in the pocket and there's $5 in the pocket, that is my $5. (laughs) But because... I love the Mission Mart resale shop. Yes. I would donate that money to the Home Sweet Home Ministries. But that's my money, 
and I can do what I want with it. Okay, is there, a, is there a line, though? Is there a certain amount of money where you say, all right, this is obviously too much, or do you own any amount of money that you find in clothing? Uh, it's all mine. I have a, I have a story that is a, a firsthand story that is exactly like the one you told. Okay. Uh, what happened? I've got a friend that works at a thrift shop, and she found $5,000 in a purse. Wow. And the rule, her boss's rule, the company's rule, is you've got to alert the manager. And she did that, and the manager took the $5,000, called the corporate office, which was in Chicago, uh, and the thrift shop was in Chicago, and the home office took the $5,000, kept it, and added it to their bottom line. That's, I, I can't believe that, really. The, the employee got Nothing. Wow. Well, okay. I, Five thousand dollars yeah. in a purse. Right. That's and you don't really want it to go to a corporation per se. You'd like to go, like you said, to a charity or something. Um. So any amount of money, you don't care if it's discovered. You wouldn't feel bad if you found a a large sum of money in some of the items that you buy all the time okay. at these places. Now let's let's paint a picture. All let's right. say I'm shopping at that thrift shop in Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. I buy myself a briefcase. I go home, and there's $5,000 in the briefcase. Yes. There's no name on the briefcase. There's no return label on the briefcase. There's no leftover business card in the briefcase. It ain't the thrift store's money. Why am I giving it back to them? That's true. You're right. Scott Miller, you have very wise. That's very wise. I'm sure you have... Tons of wise anecdotes every day on the morning show. You're on from 6 to 10 here on WJBC. You're giving away turkeys. Uh, should we know anything about tomorrow's show? Uh, tomorrow's show, I'm going to have a tuba player on from the uh, Big Red Marching Machine because it's homecoming, and why not have a tuba player on? <laughs> you couldn't get the whole band? There's 900 of them. No. <laughs> And you preferred the tuba. That's a good thing to know. Thank Why you, Scott. Why not? What am I going to pick? The clarinet? Come I don't know. On. I would have gone with maybe a set of drums or something if it now were me. Now I'm going to get hate mail because I made fun of the clarinet. Look you at did. the trouble you've gotten me in. I, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I, I think we're getting calls, too, so I'm going to take a break here. Scott, thank you for joining us. And call Bye-bye. in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let me know if you'd keep money if you found it in something you bought at a thrift store and if there's maybe a limit. Five, ten bucks, I can understand. 500, 1,000, where, where does your line to, but Scott makes a great point. If you bring it back to the store, they might just keep it. It's a confusing situation. Right. Welcome back to the Craig Collins Show and WJBC. I'm Craig Collins. I want to let you know that this half hour of the show is sponsored by Exxon and Mobil. Exxon and Mobil's new Synergy Supreme Plus Premium Gas, their best fuel ever, keeps your engine two times cleaner for better gas mileage. It's supreme, it's premium, it's supremium. Fill up today or go to exxon.com for more details. Uh, Neil, by the way, what would you do? Would you keep the money or would you return it? Mm. I mean, it, I think it just depends on the mood I'm in. That's a very ominous answer. I don't really So you're saying that given a certain day, one Neil Doyle wakes up, and if he found $7,000 in the coat pocket, he would immediately return it? But then the next day, the very following day, if he woke up on a completely different way, he would keep every cent of that money. Well, yeah, maybe. It, it could. It could be uh, one of those two. I'm hearing a little Jekyll and Hyde situation going on here. I feel like maybe I only know half of you now. 
one day you might come in and that other guy might be here instead. Yeah, I mean, it, I would feel in some way obligated to return it, but at the same time, it's mm-hmm. like, well... That's your money now. Yeah. And Scott Miller makes a great point by saying that that money is very, very likely to go back to the business as opposed to right. be... I mean, because it depends on how long that item has been at the shop, sure. too. Sure. If it's been there for years and no one wanted that specific briefcase that Scott Miller would love, he he's now found something. There's no way to return it to whoever donated it. And I never fill out... Do you donate things? Uh, I have, yeah. I, I never fill out any of that tax stuff. Every time I drop something off at a Goodwill or anywhere, yeah. they say, hey, do you want to? And no. I just, no, I yeah. always, I just want to leave. Right. I want to give you my things mm-hmm. and I want to leave. Yep. All right. Uh, Pete Davidson is in the news yet again. This guy is, to me, a very impressive person just because of how often he's in the news and now how obsessed we are as to who he's dating, why he's dating them, and how, how long he'll be dating them for. Uh, if you don't know who he is, Pete Davidson is an SNL cast member. He's 25 years old. He is now dating um, Kaya Gerber, and Kaya Gerber is actually Cindy Crawford's kid, and she's 18. They were hanging out in New York. They're, it seems, maybe I shouldn't say they're officially dating, but it seems like they've been hanging out quite a bit. It seems like they might be romantically involved. And for whatever reason, the Internet is yet again obsessed with Pete Davidson, and they, they never seem to approve, by the way, of the relationships. They are asking him to, you know, uh, but she is 18, he's 25, so I think the age thing is a little weird, and I think when you're younger in those age numbers, you know, it gets more confusing. If you make them both 10 years older, I don't think people would care. 35 and 28 wouldn't hit us as hard, but uh, people are obsessed with the Pete Davidson. Once again, I don't know if I could handle that, that every time I dated anyone, the news would immediately cover it. I don't know that, that 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 you could live in that world, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a obviously he's a celebrity, funny guy, SNL. Is he a celebrity? Well, I mean, is he? They, is treat, he? they treat him like it. I, I mean, know. it's all these, you know, what is this? Like probably a TMZ scoop here. They've been following him around. Yeah, it is Yahoo.com. I mean, well, I mean, in the fact that he did date uh, Ariana Grande for a while, I mean, well, but that's when people even figured out who he was. Right. Most well, people had I think no that's, idea that put him on the map. So it now. Did. And then after that, I mean, they weren't engaged, were they? they, they were just, yes, they were. They yeah, got they right. were dating well, like mean, a couple months and then so, they were engaged. I mean, that whole debacle, obviously, I want I feel bad for, to say put him no, on no, the map, right. but mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of made who he. I mean, and again, he's on TV, SNL, big show, but right. So anything he does now, I guess you know, the paparazzi wants to. They want they. Around. You're right. They're well, and people hit the. Uh, that's the other thing too. If we're going to click on the link, if we're going to read the story, they're going to keep following this guy around until we stop caring at all about that. All right, we've got a lot more to get to on the Craig Collins Show. Kim Commando coming up during this break. Though. Illinois ABC Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. Today, partly sunny and cool for the rest of the day. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny and cool, a high of 53, a low of 36. On Saturday, partly cloudy, chance of afternoon showers, high of 54, a low of 43. And on Sunday, it's sunny and a high of 61. This is the Craig Collins Show. We have just a couple minutes left until we get to the news. Um, and I have a lot of problems with this next story that I'm going to tell you about. One, because there is a planned seance, and the person that uh, the seancees, are they seancees, Neil? Is that who would be who, the seancer or the seancee? Who, who is summoning the person? Is that a seancer? Yeah, now you're making me question. I, I don't think any of these are real words, by the way. I think I'm making up all of them. But the seancers are a couple ex-girlfriends, and the seancee is a a former boyfriend. This is Hugh Hefner. A couple of his famous ex-girlfriends, Holly Madison and Bridget Marquette, would like to 
summon him the day before Halloween. They will be going through a psychic. Her name is Patty Negri, and this is all going to appear on an episode of Ghost Adventures, which I believe is one of the two uh, women's podcasts, or Ghost Magnet is their podcast as well. So it's going to be all over the place, but they hope to contact their ex, Hugh Hefner. And, okay, say by some chance that something like this could work, say a seance, you could actually contact a specific person. Would you want to hear from ex-girlfriends? Are those the people people that you'd want to bring you back for a conversation? Uh, no. Yeah, no, I would. You. I would think no. I mean, I know that every so <laughs> often you can be friends with an ex, but for the most part, those things usually don't end terribly well. And so, just imagine that you're Hugh Hefner, and you get this conversation, and they're calling you back, they're summoning you back, and then they're probably going to start yelling at you about how you screwed up the relationship. Most is, likely, yes. Right. That's that's the whole conversation. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing this the day before. Halloween, too, as opposed to on Halloween. I feel like it'd be even more, you know, in spirit with the holiday to do it day of. But, you know, maybe the podcast needed to be recorded a day early. I'm not sure. But that's that's something else. I feel like it'd be kind of a little creepy to do it on Halloween. I don't know. Why? It's a seance. It's not going to be uncreepy any other time. It's always creepy. Sure. I guess you're right. The rules of the Craig Collins Show, one of the number one rules, seance, always creepy. (laughs) Never not creepy, just so you know. Uh, And by the way, a lot of people are sick here in the office. I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I brought in some health professionals to give me tips. Today, there is a new study that talked about just how much money we'd pay to never get sick again. And it's shocking how low of a number it is. If you could pay any amount, just come up with any amount of money, Neil, to never again even get the sniffles, how much value would that have for you? Um, What's the high-end number you'd pay for that? um, A penny more, you're out. I would pay. Uh, Who, I'd pay. Is someone attacking you? Is someone Howard's, behind? Howard's okay. at the printer behind. Howard's me. at the printer. Got it. Um, it's not working. That printer's broken. No. Yeah, we, we're running on ink. I would gotcha. pay. Uh, I'd pay probably ten grand to never get sick again. Ten grand. Yeah. You wouldn't pay a penny more than ten grand no. by ABC chief meteorologist Brian Walder. I don't know if he sponsors it, but it's the heart of Illinois. Hi, Brian. You sponsored this one. It's partly sunny and cool. Uh, tonight, it's mostly cloudy, a low of 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny and cool, high of 53, low of 36. On Saturday, partly cloudy, chance for afternoon showers, high of 54, a low of 43. And on Sunday, it's sunny and a high of 61. This is the Craig Collins Show. Craig Collins. I have a guest that I think I just told to go the wrong way. I just buzzed him into the door, which is something I have to do after a certain time each day. Hi, Neil. How are you doing, buddy? You over there? No, Neil's also gone. Nope, Neil's also nope, I'm here. Sorry. Okay. You know, I, I just sent a guest the wrong direction, and, the, and he found it. Our guest found I sent you the wrong way. Here, come over here. Den, come over here. I am so sorry for that. I answered the phone, and then I, I told you to turn right, and it's a left, and you went completely the wrong way. Uh, Dan, thank you for coming in studio. And you just came from a track practice, didn't you? Yeah, cross country. Yeah, okay, cross country. How's the team looking? Uh, our girls look pretty good. Uh, okay. We think we have, we have regionals this weekend. They're very confident they'll make it out to sectionals. The boys are going to have to run very well to nice. do that. So. Uh, Dan, go ahead and give us your resume um, and, and go ahead and just tell me uh, where you, who you work for, who you are, that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm a professor of uh, accounting at Illinois State University. Mm-hmm. I've been there a long time. I am in 
my actually 35th year there. Uh, I assume that your interest is my interest in terms of research. I think what you're interested in here today is uh, long term. I've been interested in corporate, what we call social and environmental disclosure. Yeah. How they use information in what used to be annual reports. Uh, now there is a really it's it, 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 it most companies now use what we call a standalone sustainability or csr type report to okay. provide information and i my research interest has largely been in trying to understand that practice and the impact of that practice so why are companies so interested in that in the first place well it's really it grew out of the growth of of uh, society's concern with the impacts of business in a variety of different areas but sure. primarily the environment uh, certainly back in the late 1960s into the early 1970s there was considerable concern with what businesses were doing to the environment uh, you can think of the Cuyahoga River catching fire in Cleveland sure. for example and of course the pollution issues and everything else and as society began to demand more accountability from uh, businesses, one of the ways they responded was in providing information, at least not necessarily accountability information, but providing information talking about issues associated with both the environment and other types of social issues as well. Okay, and you said that uh, one of the main focuses is the environment. That's obviously been a hot-button issue with the current administration. Um, they talk a lot about global warming and their beliefs on on its validity more so than anything else. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I read an article today about your studies and how corporations may respond in spite of what's coming out of even any. It doesn't necessarily have to be focused on this current administration. Companies, if I get this correctly, would study this and, and make decisions regardless of what politics is telling them to do. Well, that's not necessarily that, that, that's not exactly okay. correct. It's, it, there's this concern that what companies are interested in doing is responding to what they see as the social and regulatory cost exposures that they face. So the Got political it. aspect is the regulatory cost exposures. And sure. what's interesting about this situation, the Trump administration's situation with the environment in general, but specifically with climate change, is that really for the first time we see a major disconnect between what society is asking for and what the Trump administration is doing. They have systematically dismantled uh, vast amounts of the regulatory uh, processes dealing with climate change in mm -hmm. particular, but and I, we lose track of this with everything else that Trump creates controversies about, <laughs> but uh, if you think back to the early days of his administration, the sure. first certainly the first year, but even the first month after he was elected, there was major societal dis uh, satisfaction with the, the, the with their concerns with what he was doing with the environment. Sure, and you're and, talking about the businesses were upset with the way in which. Well, no, we're talking about society here. All right. And so then, then, so my question is, then how do companies then respond Correct. in a situation where the regulatory cost concerns are clearly being reduced? Uh, the Trump administration is signaling all over the place that 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 we don't want regulation, mm -hmm. and. But in contrast to that, society continues to be very concerned about, in particular, climate change sure. issues. And so the particular study that you saw reference to was just trying to examine do, 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 how do companies respond and are there differences in the way that they respond based upon other types of contextual factors. What have you found to be the case? Uh, well, the, the interesting aspect of it, the two major things that seem to be playing in here are, first, whether a company 
is operates in an industry that that has high carbon exposure that as you might anticipate they uh, they're actually an interesting test group because they could go either direction they could uh, either see the reduced regulatory concerns as a positive or the societal concerns as a negative uh, but then we also have this issue that the companies that are headquartered in s- states that really are in alignment with the, the Trump policies and, and, mm-hmm. and societal, the voters there being uh, fans of Trump, they clearly face less exposures or the less concerns with the social uh, ramifications or the social uh, the, the blowback against the, the, the Trump regulations. And so what we find is there's this mix that's hard to, if you look just on average, you don't see much happening you really have to disentangle what those effects are to see how different exposures play out in terms of influencing what companies are doing in terms of their reporting. Got it. Um, And in studying all this, you've also continued to see how society is responding to, obviously, the changes in administration's views on these kind of things. As far as you've seen, the societal desire for us to be focused on this has never wavered. Uh, If anything, I think it continues to, 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 to get stronger. Again, you see... For example, the, the and, and much as much driven by uh, non-U.S. factors, the, the mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of her name right offhand. The 15-year-old from yeah, uh, the, yes, as I an know example, who you're about, yeah. Thuland or whatever her name was. Yeah, um, and she's very passionate, obviously, about this. Uh, younger people seem to be more passionate about this because they believe they're inheriting a a world that might not be in the best position i and they can they can be leaders here that yeah. is for sure uh so then i have a quick question and this is challenging in a way I, I i wonder because i had some conversations with other people that are in alignment with the president in their belief that you know climate change isn't necessarily a thing and that that weather has always fluctuated what is your response and i know you're not a climate climate scientist per se but what is your response to people who even challenge the validity of climate change it's almost unfathomable unfathomable to me how people in today's world can continue to hold a stance like that in the face of all of the evidence that is coming out from the scientific community. Mm-hmm. You're right. I'm not a, a, a climate scientist. I, 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 I don't uh, do that kind of work. But it's it's very clear from everything that you can that, that that is happening and everything that you see that the overwhelming majority, just a substantial majority of the, the the scientists that are out there believe that this is an issue and and everything that we see seems to uh, back up their claims. Got it. Uh, I am going to have to let you go because we're we're up against a couple breaks here. I do just want to complete it with with one last question for you, and this is my biggest curiosity in all of this when I have debates with people who do or don't believe certain things. What would be the harm in forcing a company, and I guess that word in and of itself might be the challenge, but what would be the harm in, in asking our companies to improve the way in which they treat the environment, even if climate change weren't a real thing? Let's say that the people who challenge the, the validity of these kind of things were right. Would there be a negative in getting pollution and things reduced? The negative would be to the returns to the owners of the company. Got it. So it's entirely a monetary issue. Okay. That is the only negative you can think of. Is that, that is the there's only a financial negative. negative. I can think of. Yeah. That's it, and that's but, what drives their reasoning. Right. But what you mean by that is twofold. You mean that if they actually could be fined or if there's some sort of regulations that they would have to pay, and then also whatever improvements they'd have to make structurally that to is, do that. It, it, I, it begs, it needs a regulatory solution, and the problem mm-hmm. with my area of research, or the, what my research documents, 
is that Got companies it. can use these tools of disclosure to reduce the likelihood of meaningful regulation, and that's yeah. not a good thing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You are Den Patton. You are the, uh, give me your title again. I'm a distinguished professor of accounting at Illinois State University. What does it take to become distinguished? Uh, you have to get pretty old. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> you don't look distinguished to me. Welcome back to the Craig Collins Show. I do still have this topic dangling over my head that I mentioned a little while ago. I want to talk about the First Amendment, but that feels too heavy. I feel like we've done some heavy, and we that would be more heavy, so I'm going to skip that for a little bit. But in the next half hour, and actually all I want to do is ask you a question a la the morning show with Scott Miller and get a one-word answer. I just want a one-word answer from you. Should we change something in the First Amendment? There's a, a story out about that, and it's not as crazy as you think. It's not asking to get rid of the First Amendment, nothing like that. But it's there's a little tweak that people would like to make, and I just want a one-word answer from you, yes or no. You can put the, you can tell me that on Facebook, at Craig Collins Show. You can call in and let us know, yes or no. And maybe even before I tell you the tweak, people listening would be like, no, absolutely not, change nothing about the First Amendment. But I don't know, There might maybe after I tell you, you'll think differently. Uh, but to keep things a little lighter after explaining that, uh, do you like to take your pills, your supplements, your medicine, any of that stuff? Is there, you know, something mentally in you when you have to take something? Neil, you're, you're downing the Tussin quite a bit. Um, and I don't know if, if when you have to take things or maybe just vitamins, if you take those, if there's any kind of reticence to do it because it's not really a, a fun thing or a good tasting product. No, I just go right down you the You just hatch. go right down yep. the end? Okay. Well, anyone that might be avoiding it for some reasons, and this is targeting adults, this is not targeting children, there is a new fiber supplement that added sparkles to the pill itself. So it made it sparkly. It bedazzled the pill. And they think that this will improve your desire to take these kind of things, and they, they hope that more people take this on. Maybe put little smiley faces on the pills, make the visual experience a little bit better if these are the kind of things you have to take regularly. I love the idea of it. I like the concept of bedazzling everything in my life so that it becomes a little easier for me to handle seeing it. I don't know that it would work in this world, though. I don't know that the pill world needed this improvement. Yeah, it sounds like a little bit of a stretch to me. But again, I mean, I'm I normally just if I have to take the medicine, I'm just taking it. But if and this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. We'll see pretty quiet weather for the rest of the day today, although cloudy and cool and mostly cloudy skies will continue overnight tonight and into tomorrow morning. Wake up temperatures not too different than the last couple of mornings. We'll see those lows falling back into the upper 30s. Partly cloudy to partly sunny skies for our Friday. Overall, fairly similar day of weather compared to what we saw today. Another cool one with temperatures reaching the low 50s by the afternoon. Highs on Saturday in the mid-50s. We'll see some showers, especially for the second half of the day and into Saturday night. The rain shower should be gone by Sunday. We'll see some sunshine returning and a little bit milder with high temperatures close to 60 degrees. We'll be cool, though, next week and even cold by the middle of next week. High temperatures may be as low as the 40s. From Heart of Illinois ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Thanks, Brian, although I don't really want it to get colder. It's currently 47 in Bloomington. You're listening to The Craig Collins Show on WJBC. This is The Craig Collins Show on WJBC, and I'd like to hear from you. I'd like you to call in, and I just want a one-word answer to this question. And actually, so the reason that this topic is striking me, um, and I promise the Craig Collins Show will not dovetail into debates on the First Amendment often. I know. 
when a radio guy on the whatever you're tuning into, it's the Internet, it could be on your radio in your car, you hear him mention the First Amendment and that he, he wants to have some form of debate, you want to turn that right off. But, but trust me, this is, to me, interesting enough. And the debate first started, I think, in part, now granted, I, I shouldn't say that because the debate about the First Amendment is something that's been going on forever. Um, people on all different sides of free speech and how much or how little is, is valuable. And certainly our country values a whole lot of free speech. But recently in the NBA, players have dealt with an issue with China. And so have some of the coaches. Uh, Hong Kong and China are in. This is a lot of stuff to explain to get there, but I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to do it. Hong Kong and China are two separate entities in some ways. Hong Kong believes in a lot more freedoms than China does. The NBA is a huge business in China. So when you side with Hong Kong and not with the rest of the country, they get mad. This is all stuff you can Google. LeBron James made a comment. People got mad at LeBron. It's all over the place. There is now a recent poll that says that 60% of people, 60% of Americans, favor restricting free speech in a very specific way. And 51 actually feel that that free speech should now reflect, and this is a quote, reflect the cultural norms of today which to me is very interesting. But 60% of people believe that hate speech should be restricted to not be considered free speech. And actually, there's a lot of things that go on from the legal standpoints that you can't just go and say anything to anyone in a workplace or anywhere. There's certainly ramifications to certain things you do. We've seen it in the social media world. We've seen it everywhere. But I'd love to have people call in in the last half hour. I won't. You know, stick on this all all uh, the last half hour if no one's calling in. But 829-2345, 829-2345, simple yes or no, that's all I need. One word answer, should we ref- restrict free speech at all? Does the blanket free speech cover everything and anything said in any place? Or is there some, are there some reasons to ask for things like hate speech to be a little bit more restricted. And what I found most surprising is 60% of Americans, at least according to this one survey, and I've actually worked with a radio guy that says surveys are not reliable because only survey people do them. And there's two types of people. There's the kind of person that's asked to do a survey and says no, and the kind of person that says yes. And so every time we discuss a survey on the radio or anywhere else, we're really just reflecting survey people, not all people, which I think is interesting. Do you think there are survey people, Neil? I mean, are you a survey people? Not per se. So I mean, you I definitely. A survey? I, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm not normally inclined to to take one. Got it. Um, I mean, the only time I really find myself running into a survey is like, I feel like sometimes on YouTube they'll like put up, oh, where would you rather shop at? And I just always hit skip survey or whatever to get to my video <laughs> or whatever it might be. Got it. WMBD, or excuse me, uh, WJBC, that was a different radio station I used to be at. What's your name? Robin. Robin, yes or no, should we restrict the First Amendment at all? We should not. Okay, that, that's good. You said more than one word, but okay, we should not. Thank you, no. Robin, for the call. To me, this is very interesting. Sixty uh, percent of millennials land to that extreme where they say we should restrict it specifically for hate speech. Um, and I, it seems like out of a, a thousand and four respondents, mostly younger people took part in this survey. Um, baby boomers, it's only forty-seven percent. Gen Xers, forty-eight um, percent. Anyone between the ages of twenty-one and thirty-eight, though, believes, and I quote: "The Constitution goes too far in allowing hate speech in modern America." Um, and at times I'm also 
you know, a little confused by by the whole concept of it. Of it, I, yeah, it's a complicated issue, and so I won't even give you all my opinions on it. I guess I just will ask you to call in and tell me yes or no. Should the First Amendment be restricted at all? Should it be rewritten in a, in any sort of way, in a very specific way, to slim that down? Uh, to give you a palate cleanser, while I wait for more callers to call in with something very serious, I found this topic uh, totally different and interesting. There is a horse. Yes, I'm transitioning to a horse. I'm telling you a story about a horse. There is a horse in China that anytime anyone tries to ride it, it plays dead. The horse, this dates back to 2015. It is not dead. It is not ill. But anytime anyone walks up to Jin Yang, the horse, and it's been dubbed the world's most melodramatic horse, it immediately plays dead. Oh, we have another call. WJBC, what's your name? Is this Craig? It is, yes. Craig, uh, this is John from Clinton. I talked to Scott Miller in the mornings. Okay. First time I've spoken to you, and I like your show so far. Thank you. That's, I, I thought this was going to go a bad place. Okay, thank you. Uh, what would you like to say? Well, as far as this free speech stuff goes, yes. when I was a child back in the mid-50s, early 60s, if we said stuff like these people are saying today, my mother would wash my mouth out with soap. You know, I thank you for the call. That's an interesting thing you said there, too, because actually I've heard that a lot, that, that speech, all different kinds of behaviors were controlled by society a lot more than controlled by any rules given by, by law enforcement. If someone stepped out, people in their own world might have, you know, taught them a lesson, I guess. That's a, that, I sounded creepy as an Italian from New York, New Jersey. That's, I'm, I don't mean that kind of lesson. But that's interesting to hear that society used to be a lot stronger-willed in those things than it is now. Oh, no, that person was there. WJBC, uh, you're on the air, I think. Nope, you're not. Hold on. Uh, you know, if you do a phone segment and you don't know how to operate the phones, that might not work great. But if you were on the line that I just hung up on, please call back. Uh, we are debating the First Amendment, not entirely. We're not going crazy here on WJBC. But a recent poll that said that 60% of Americans favor adjusting it a tad to better address hate speech and maybe say that some of it isn't covered. You know what I'm going to do? Because I'm not sure that I'm working the phones completely appropriately. I'm going to take a break. I want a one-word answer. And I don't think I've gotten a one-word answer from either of my callers yet. But one-word answer. Should we rewrite a small part of the first... This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Thank you for joining us. We have a little bit longer to go here. And then we got the Coaches Show coming up after me. I'm sure they're not going to be debating the First Amendment, so that's probably... But please, continue to call in if you want. I, I had a poll that I mentioned a little earlier on in the show that discusses whether or not there should be an adjustment made to the First Amendment on free speech. 60% of Americans now favor making such a restriction specifically regarding hate speech. 829-2345. 829-2345. Like the morning show does sometimes, I just want a one-word answer, yes or no. Uh, I want to know if your sleep habits are normal, too. That's a completely different topic, and it's not. it sounds like I'm going to do a commercial. Uh, but a new study that looked at over 100,000 people was trying to figure out what are normal sleep habits and what are not. Uh, do you sleep on your side? Do you use a pillow or not? Do you, you know, wake up without an alarm? How many people, what percentage of people do this? What do you normally wear to bed is one of the things. 92% of people wear some sort of pajama to bed, 
including 25% of people who wear, you know, maybe just the the undergarments you have, uh, probably clean ones. Um, And 8% of people uh, go rogue in that world. Um, What position do you sleep in? 42% of people picked on their side. Uh, Are you a side sleeper, Neil? Yeah, all the time. All the time? Mm -hmm. Are you like fetal position side sleeper? No, no. Just on the side. (laughs) Do you have a side pillow? Have you seen those? No, I don't don't use a side pillow. I have one of those. They're pretty great. Are they? Yeah, I would recommend a side pillow. By the way, we're doing two things at once here on The Craig Collins Show. I'm trying to be lighthearted, but I also want the answer (laughs) to whether or not you would change the First Amendment. I have another caller. Caller, what's your name? Yes, Janet. Janet, and would you make an adjustment, yes or no, to the First Amendment considering hate speech? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Janet, for calling in. That's interesting. 60% of Americans agree with Janet. Uh, Back to sleeping. We're going to talk about both at the same time. This is how they do it in the morning, right? They do two topics at once? Yeah, I I think I've heard them. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Are you a flat or a fluffy pillow kind of guy? That was not, I didn't mean anything. No, I need a a little bit more fluff in my pillow. Okay. You need just a little bit of cushion. Uh, 64% of people like a fluffy pillow, 22% like flat. And this was most confusing. 12% like both. They could go really? for a flat or a fluffy just as long as there's a pillow. No, I need the fluff. Do you need an alarm? Yes. I don't. Yeah, I need the alarm. Okay. 93% of people need an alarm to wake up. I don't need an alarm to wake up. I don't know why that is, but my whole See, life I've just... You're a rare breed. I know, yeah. and I, I think that I can tell my brain when to wake up, and then I just do it. I don't. Yeah, I don't think Fish uses an alarm either. Really? Yeah, he, I think he said he, do, he doesn't use an alarm. Okay, but how does, does he wake up like way before he's supposed to? I don't know. See, because I don't do that. I wake up exactly when I need to. I'm still late places or just barely on time places, but my body, for whatever reason, knows the right time to wake up so that I can be maybe a a half second late. Yeah. Yeah. And normal. I just need one alarm just to kind of get me, just, you know, get the eyes open. Then I can get up. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if I didn't have that, I probably could just keep sleeping. Uh, And this survey actually also asked if you think that your significant other has any other weird sleep habits. They didn't say what they were, but just whether or not they had them. 43% 43% of people said that, no, their significant other sleeps pretty normally, which means that the majority of people think that their significant other has a weird sleep habit uh, that can be just simply drooling, snoring, talking in their sleep, or something that they didn't want to say. More Craig Collins show next. I want to just Brian Walder. Uh, tonight, mostly cloudy, a low of 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny and cool, a high of four, 53, a low of 36. On Saturday, partly cloudy, chance for showers in the afternoon, a high of 54, a low of 43. And on Sunday, sunny with a high of 61. Just a couple minutes left here on the Craig Collins Show before we get to the Coaches Show. And I, I want to remind you that the Coaches Show is indoors tonight. Uh, it is not outside, so seating is very limited. I think that Murphy is already out there and told us that There's almost no seats left as is, but if you want to go, uh, you want to find somewhere maybe close by to to set up, uh, it's a very limited seating tonight for the coaches show, uh, but we had to stay indoors due to, you know, cold weather. You don't want to sit outside. Even if you had more space, you don't want to be out there shivering. Um, Do you have a nickname and do you like your nickname? There is a a recent write-in to one of those, you know, advice columns, and I think we even do one here. We do like a Therapy Thursday Scott Miller will share that on social media, um, and maybe we've seen one of these there. Uh, but a mother wrote in saying that she's upset that a lot of people use the nickname for her seven-year-old son, who she named Andrew. She hates the name Andy, but people just can't seem to get past it. Now, granted, her seven-year-old son doesn't seem to care. Andrew, Andy, it's not 
something that bothers him all that much, but it bothers his mother, and I found that interesting. I've known a lot of guys who have, you know, names that you traditionally would shorten, and I think I'm one of those people who shortens all of them. Anytime I meet a Nicholas, I always call him Nick. I like to use the the term bud a lot. I, I didn't know if I was offending people when I do that, um, but I, I wonder, are you the type of person that embraces the nickname? Do you like having them, or would you like people to use the full name? Neil, you and I are lucky we don't have a long-form version of our name. No, no yeah. long form. There's no way for us to get st- – it's always going to be Craig. Do you have any nicknames? A lot of people just call me by my by my last name. Okay. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? No, I mean, I growing up, playing like I played baseball, and even my buddies in college and stuff, yeah, they would just call me Doyle. I mean, I, no, that's what I've been used to, but I, it doesn't matter either way. Got it. I get yeah. Craigers sometimes, oh, which I'm Craigers. not no, – why did you do that? Why did you just do that? I don't like that. Don't do that. Let's not go there. Well, you brought it up, so maybe I'll start calling Apparently you Apparently I did. <laughs> Craigers is an elongation of my name. It's not a nickname. It makes no sense. I get upset. There was a little, I don't know. I know, it's a little bit We were talking bedazzle earlier. There was a little bedazzle on your name. You're right. They bedazzle my name. (laughs) Craigery, that's not a real name for anyone that wants to use it. There is no, you know, it's not comparable to Gregory. It's just Craig. That's the only name, but it's fine. If you want to give me a nickname. Have you had any that aren't based on your name Mm. that you'd like to share on the air right now? No, I'm pretty boring. Okay. No, I mean, All other right. than just people calling me by my it's last fine. name, that's about it. As a good newsman, you're supposed to be boring. I have another <laughs> phone call here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go to it. Uh, caller, what's your name? Hi, my name's Deb. Deb, uh, are you calling in about the topic about the First Amendment? No, the nicknames. Okay, great. That's totally fine. What do you want to say about nicknames? I once met someone who named her son. She had two. Mm-hmm. One was named Larry. One was named Lawrence. Larry and Lawrence. Yeah. That's it, because a lot of people would call a Lawrence a Larry. What did they do when, did they, did people? She wasn't really happy about it, but, okay. you know, it wasn't my choice, but yeah, you I know, thought it was interesting. You know, it's interesting about that. My brother's name is Lawrence, and a lot of people call him Lars, which I think is a really cool, I call him Lars. I think that's a cool nickname, but his name is actually Lawrence. Thank you. Thank well, you for calling Lawrence in, Deb. a good nickname. What's that? Lawrence is a good nickname. Right. Nickname. I'm, how many Larses do you meet? You meet almost no Larses. And my, my brother is a, a rememberable Lars. He's a memorable Lars. Thank you for calling in, Deb. Uh, I, I, do you, you said you have no other nicknames of any kind, Doyle. No, just wow. Doyle. That's, uh, that's yeah. disappointing. And you played sports. Uh, they called me Whitey. <laughs> I played basketball. Yeah. I, should, I should tell people what that means. And, uh, yeah, I was a short well, white 